Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we've got a couple of interesting uh, Harvard Business Review tips that uh, will help grow your business down the track. We're also talking with Christina Sikiotis with our Minute on Innovation. Going to have a little chat about the uh, the shark tank tank and what we can learn from some of that. But right now we're going to have a chat with Craig McGregor from the Hunter Recruitment Group. Good afternoon, hey. Craig. G'day, Julian. How are you going today? I'm oh, very well. Thanks you once again for joining me. Yeah, excellent. No problem. So we're going to have a chat about getting the most out of an interview. Um, probably the, the first starting point would be to, to plan it, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. You need to, like anything in business, you need to know why you're trying to, what you're trying to achieve out of the meeting that you're having. So, um, planning for a job interview, I think the most important step for that is, is having a good job description or a good job ad. Because essentially the, the questions that you're going to ask in the interview, it should be in that job description. And that would then also prepare a, a good candidate that's motivated for the role. They'd be researching that job description and, and trying to align, you know, their skill sets and what answers they're going to bring to the table to those skill, skill criteria or the essential criteria that you're looking for in the job. Now, just before when we before we came on air, we were chatting about uh, the idea of, of having a, a facility tour. Yeah. Now, look, one of the things that we've done recently with a number of clients is, um, you know, assessing. So, a part of looking at a job interview from the employer's perspective is is really trying to engage engage whether or not the person has the skill fit. But the other big factor involved here is. is does this person really want to be a part of our business? Are they motivated to be here? And the first thing that we've done with a number of clients is, you know, in that second interview stage, I suppose, we've done the preliminary cull, um, but the last, say, two, three, four clients, uh, candidates, whatever number that is, um, having them come into the site and go, great, let's show them the office or let's show them the facility, the factory, whatever it is that they're going to be working in, you'll be able to really have a look and gauge their body language and really make an assessment on whether or not they're really eager to be a part of this organisation. And we did it recently with a client and, and and we had four candidates, and, and, and that process culled two of those candidates out very quickly because it, it showed that they essentially just didn't want to be there, that they weren't that motivated, that they were a bit taken back by the facility and went, okay, that, that then changed the focus of the interview. And, and, of course, it's really important to hire people who are going to be passionate, exciting, uh, motivated, rather than just for skills, isn't it? 100%, and that's what um, my first question in any interview is, you know, tell me your motivation. Why did you apply for this job? What made you um, apply or, or push the button on the internet to say apply now? What was your motivation? Tell me the why. And so one of the hardest things I think for employers in this market is it's so easy for employees or candidates to hit the apply now button on Seek and other websites yeah. that they lose track of what they're applying for. So asking that question is a really good one that, you know, the person that answers it and says, yeah, great, I remember that job with Hunter Recruitment Group and I, I like the look of that organisation or here's the reason why because of the hours or whatever it was that you'll understand and get, get a really good feeling that that person wants that job as opposed to, oh, look, I've applied for 30 jobs in the last week and no, I don't really remember that one. Can you give me a bit of a refresher? Mm. Um, yeah, it's a different inflection and it starts the conversation totally differently. Do, do you find people have a trouble answering that question? Uh, <laughs> For me, the people that are really motivated in, in, in that particular role answer the question effectively. And okay, those people yeah. will get in front of the client or get, you know, if you were a general hiring manager, that's the person that you want. Yeah. Uh, if you put yourself in, in, you know, your small business shoes or your business shoes, the reality is, is you want the skills fit, but you really want someone who wants to work there. You want that motivation. You want that, then all the values and the personality fit as well. But that person that, 
you know, is, is motivated, excited, you know, really actively seeking information about your business, think about the two different interviews that you've had with people. That person stands out because of that energy, because of the way that they're answering the questions. And while we're talking about motivation, I think one of the questions that people do seem to ask these days is, is what do you know about our business? And I know sort of 10 years ago it was hard to find that, whereas now with Google it's so much easier. Do you find people knowing more about businesses when they come for job interviews? Yeah. Absolutely, they should. Um, and those people, again, the people that have done that research show that motivation of, of, of wanting to work in that organisation. It's not just information about the organisation as well. You know, with, with sites like LinkedIn today, you know, if someone was coming for an interview with Julian Campbell this afternoon, you know, they can jump on LinkedIn and have a look at your profile and have a look at your background, see your skill sets, have a look at, you know, where you've come from, and that might give them a really good background into how to handle the interview from the candidate perspective. Mm. Yeah. So, so what sort of other questions are key in in uh, during the job interview? Look, I'm a big fan of what they call the behavioural style question uh, or interview process, and that's where whenever I, I talk to people about an interview, I, I use the word validate. That really, what you're trying to do is validate the skill set in someone's resume and how that fits the skill set that you're looking for, or you're validating a value that you're looking for in the individual. So to do that, and you know. For me to interview um, Julian today and say, great, you've got um, radio presenting experience and, and you can just generally answer, yes, I have. And, you know, some uh, non-skilled interviewers may just move on from that and go, great, they've got interviewing skills, we'll tick that box. You know, in a behavioural style interview, what we'd want is then is, is we'd want examples. Okay, Julian, well, t- tell me an example about a tough interview that you've had, someone who didn't really speak that well, or just, just give me an example of someone that you had to really work with during the interview to get the most out of the interview. That person then can then give them a real-life scenario on how they dealt with that problem or give them a bit of an idea, and that gives you a much better flavour for the skill set of the individual, and you can actually really then start to drill down on the specifics of the job and what you're looking for. And, and I suppose it really does play a an important role in things like customer service, t- team playing, uh, handling uh, conflict in the workplace, those sorts of things. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, you can you can set uh, behavioural style questions around all those things and ask people to give you real life examples from their work experience around customer service or around conflict or around whatever it is that you want to achieve and validate as part of this process to get the right person in your organisation. Is uh, the questions like what are some of your strengths, what are some of your weaknesses, are they good questions? I always find people have a trouble answering the what are my weaknesses one. Yeah, um, look, I'm not a big fan. I don't usually ask those questions in an interview. Um, I think they're still around. People will ask them. But for me, again, it comes back to that word validate. What are you trying to validate out of asking that question? Okay. You know, what are you trying to get out of someone if they say, oh, my weakness is this? What does that achieve for you in terms of um, getting that information to make a decision on getting the right person for your organisation? Yeah, well, that's, that's some, there's some good points in there. Uh, and just on another slightly different subject, how's uh, the Maitland Chamber going under your presidency? Yeah, look, I, I, um, I think we're going really well. We've had three meetings this year. We had a meeting this morning, which we had a, a fantastic forum. We, um, the local liquor accord up here in Maitland, um, it took some around about three months and did some research on um, uh, issues around safe 
having a safe night out in Maitland and the okay. perception of a safe night out in Maitland and uh, went to some uh, local, some members of ours in the chamber, some uh, marketing people who did some research and then they went to the council and they went to um, other government authorities and they come up with this really innovative, creative program using feral animals um, and some of the signage and some of the way that they're just, uh, doing it in their in their pubs and clubs to, to really get people thinking about what you become when you are on the drink and how to change their behaviour. And the, the forum we had today showcased that the behaviour is changing through this innovative program. And as members, we all sat back and went, OK, what can I do in my business that's similar to that? Look, looking at a problem, coming up with a creative solution via a marketing mechanism to solve that problem to more benefit of my business. It was a great little forum. Great. Well, thank you very much for your time again, Craig, and uh, we'll have a chat with you again another time. Cheers. Thanks again, Julian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, mate. Craig McGregor there from Hunter Recruitment Group. Some interesting points there about uh, questions, particularly those validation questions. You're listening to 2NURFM 103.7, Business, the Law and You. Time to pop over and have a chat with Christina Sikiotis. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you on this beautiful day? I'm inside in the studio at the moment, but I'll be going out in a moment. I shouldn't tease you like that then, should I? <laughs> so I'm sitting in the shark tank at the moment. So we're we going to talk about the shark tank. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some, some good lessons we can learn from that little program, isn't there? Yeah, there are. There's actually been a fair bit of conversation lately around the, um, around the lack of pitch readiness um, of, of a lot of the contestants, or if you want to call them contestants, it's really, as we discussed earlier, a, a new format for reality television. Um, but the, the, the people, the businesses that are coming on, the entrepreneurs that are coming on, don't seem to be, um, in some cases, pitch-ready, which is very surprising. And one of the biggest things that they've been um, pulled up on are their, their figures. So, you know, they might, they might have their line about what the business does all set, um, but they're lacking in um, lacking in a lot of knowledge around uh, the finance financials, which I find really surprising when they're going mm. on to actually pitch for money that they that they're not really on board with the financials. And that's coaching. That's having somebody sit down with you um, so that you know exactly what to say with what the questions are. It's not that it's not that difficult to do. So it really surprises me uh, that at this level of television and having filtered some of the contestants or oh, there I go again, some of the entrepreneurs that have come on board um, that they haven't made sure or given them any guidelines around that. So well, I find it a bit surprising. A lot of people, though, do come up with, I've got a fantastic business idea and I don't want to know all about the money side of it. People close their eyes, don't you think, to the financials oh, a lot? I huh? agree with you. Absolutely agree with you. And and that's one of the times, I mean, I know that you do some business coaching and I, and I have um, consulted with many businesses, is that that's one of the things that you bring them back to. Once they've got all the other messages ready and they know they know their task, they know their purpose, they know, you know, they know their why, they know why they're doing what they're doing, it all comes back to how does this turn into a, a financial rewarding business for you? And that doesn't mean that they're going to go out there and necessarily make a million dollars in their, you know, in their tenth year or whatever. It means how do I turn this into a really good living outcome, what are my expectations, how much do I want to earn, how am I going to do that? Where are the pricing factors that really surprises you that people at that capacity um, aren't, mm. aren't aware of that? And the other thing is that uh, I think I found quite amazing last week when, it was, when I watched it, um, that they weren't expecting some of the questions uh, and they weren't expecting 
the the um, you know the judges, if you like, to have done much homework because mm. there was an instance there where um, there was a, an additional um, investment from a from a startup accelerator into one of the companies, uh, and they hadn't made mention of that, so they were almost caught unawares that these people had done their research, and of course they're going to do their research, and that's one of the things. One of the things that businesses really need to do is research, mm. find out as much as possible about different things. So, so the big lesson for us really is that uh, we're all day, every day with our businesses, we are pitching our ideas to somebody and therefore we should be well prepared to be able to pitch, whether it be a 30-second talk to someone at a, at a networking function right through to a, a formal presentation. Spot on. So if somebody says to you at a networking function, what is it that you do, you can tell them without, without the big long ramble and um, so that you're quite direct and quite succinct in what you do. And sometimes we're the ones that don't know more, most succinctly what we do. Mm. Um, and like this, this, you know, there's really simple things to help you around putting a, a pitch together. So if you start by outlining, you know, we're always talking about the problems that we solve. What, what problem does your business solve? Outline, like have that really firm in your head. Where did the business idea start from? What problem did you see that you were trying to solve? Succinctly describe what the idea is about, but make it sound, you know, almost sexy. Make it sound, I've heard, I've heard people talk about accounting and things like that, uh, in, in a really attractive, mesmerizing way, you know, yeah. Um, how do you, how do you, what, what is the idea? Um, that you're trying to execute. How do you get that out there? What makes your idea new? How do you stand out from all the other businesses that may be in the same field? What's the appeal of your business? You know, what are the projections? What are your monetary projections? What's the evidence? Where's the research behind why you're doing what you're doing? If you, if you write that out and then you keep pairing it back, and you rehearse that with people so that you say to them, you know, are you understanding? What's the meaning that you're getting out of these words that I'm giving you? And you have people paraphrase back, then you know whether you're on song or not. You know whether you're getting your message across. We might have another chat about that one another time because I think it also has to come out on their websites and I don't think it does. So we might might have a talk about that one another time. Thanks for your time, Christina. We'll have a chat with you again next week. Have a great week. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina Sikiotis with, uh, yeah, there's great, great little uh, tips there on uh, presenting your business. Well, now we've got time for a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips, and uh, this one fits in quite nicely with what we were just talking with uh, Christina about. Craft a strategy for audience input during a presentation. Asking audience members what they think during a presentation is a great way to heed the pleasure principle. When people feel their voices and ideas are being heard, they're happy and therefore more likely to open their minds to what you're proposing. But you need to decide in advance when you'll ask for people input. Maybe you want to ensure that people are following along as you make your argument, or perhaps you want to draw on their knowledge to support your message. Either can be useful. Just avoid empty questions aimed at the whole room. For example, is everyone following? Good. Those don't captivate anyone. People will just nod. Instead, directly address individuals. Does that seem like the biggest problem with customer satisfaction? Mary, give give your uh, frontline perspective. So addressing it helps to get people involved. So that's one little tip there from the Harvard Business Review. The other one that I thought was useful, set aside time for your team to get real work done. As a leader, it's your job to make sure your team doesn't get burnt out. 
One way to reduce stress and help people focus on what really needs to get done is to schedule uninterrupted work time. When people get distracted, it can take at least 20 minutes to refocus on the task at hand. Encourage people to set aside an hour or more each morning for quiet, proactive work. There should be no interruptions during this time unless it's an emergency. This means holding off meetings and limiting email. By making this a group goal, you can increase people's collective focus and prevent backsliding. You can also help the team break larger projects up into smaller tasks that can be accomplished in the amount of time you've set aside for the strategic work each day. Once they start using this time effectively, their productivity will improve. So a couple of interesting little tips there from the Harvard Business Review. And thank you for being with me for the last half half hour. I hope you've enjoyed what we talked about. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll have our Minute on Innovation with Christine Sikiotis. We'll discuss corporate travel with Cathy Thompson from Markey Insurance. And we'll have some other business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Albert Schweitzer once said, example is not the main thing in influencing people. It's the only thing.